Hi, I'm Jake, your podcast producer here at New Hope, and I'd like to invite you to join us with our new show. It's called What Do I Say? and it's hosted by Pastor Ryan. He seeks to answer just that question. What do I say when I'm dealing with these issues? Whether that's homosexuality, the problem of good and evil, or does God exist? We invite you to listen along to today's episode. It's a good one. Hello and welcome to the podcast show called What Do I Say? Uh, I am joined as always with Pastor Jake and my name is Ryan and I'm the lead pastor at New Hope Church and we are so glad again that you are with us for this uh, podcast episode. Welcome. As you know, this is a show that we are focused on taking on big questions that people have on all kinds of topics and uh, today we're going to do much the same. In fact, one that uh, we're gonna get we're gonna dig deep a little bit today, and uh, maybe it's a question you've thought about. Um, maybe it's not, but either way, it's an important question. Mm-hmm. So here's what we're gonna do. The question we're gonna take on today it is it is philosophical. It is it is scientific. It's spiritual. It's it's controversial and, and it's confusing at times. And hopefully we'll cut right through that. But it connects to what does it mean to be human. That's why this is personal to us. This is something that is about you and about me and who we are and how God has designed us to be. Because believe it or not, there is actually tremendous confusion about what it means to be a human today, because currently there's a growing skepticism about whether or not a soul exists. Okay. And so that's our topic for today. Whether or not a soul exists. Huh? We're going to take on the question or questions, what is a soul? How do I know it exists? And why is it important that I know souls exist? So buckle your seatbelt, because this is going to be quite the ride that we're going to take on today. And of course, as always, if you have questions and you want to continue the conversation, please do email me at ryan at newhopeadel.org. I'm, I'm excited about this one, because I think on its face, sometimes this can be like, okay, well, we've got we've got philosophy professor Ryan in the house, and... But there's very real, I mean, it's this difference than some of the more current issues we have. But in the other sense, it is very much the thought behind this and the answers to this are behind a lot of current political issues today. So I'm excited to learn more about this. Political and ethical mm-hmm. and spiritual. This is a major question. Mm-hmm. So, so on the one hand, I think people, I think most people intuitively sense that they are more than just a mere collection of physical parts, Mm -hmm. Uh, that there's something else about them beyond the atoms and molecules that make up their body. And this intuition has been shared by people across cultures from antiquity to the present day. In fact, a book I love and would recommend called The Soul Hypothesis by Baker and Getz, they say this in the book, they say most people at most times, in most places and at most ages have believed that human beings have some kind of a soul. So, so that's fine and great. But on the other hand, there's an increasing, as I mentioned before, hostility today to the idea of a soul, especially from the scientific and academic communities. You see, in this view, a human is only physical. In other words, you are a body. You are your body. In any notions that there's more to you than that, in other words, a soul or spirit, well, that's just simply brain activity. So let me give you an example. This is some uh, some quotes. This first one's from Daniel Dennett, who is uh, one of the uh, leaders of the new atheist movement and uh, philosopher. He said this, the prevailing wisdom variously, variously expressed and argued for is materialism. 
There is only one sort of stuff, namely matter, the physical stuff of physics and chemistry and psychology, or excuse me, physiology, and the mind is somehow nothing but a physical phenomenon. In short, the mind is the brain. So you're nothing more than that. Uh, Lawrence Krauss, uh, he, he said this, every atom in your body came from a star that exploded. And the atoms in your left hand probably came from a different star than your right hand. It really is the most poetic thing I know about physics. You are all stardust. In other words, parts and pieces from hmm. the physical atmosphere, in, a, in this case, uh, stars. Or how about Francis Crick? He, this is the guy that co-discovered DNA. Yeah. He is, he is a, a big remember this from dog. the history books. There you go. He's, he wrote this. He said, you... Uh, your joys and your sorrows, your memories and your ambitions, uh, your sense of personal identity and free will. By the way, these are the things that make life beautiful and important and purpose-filled. Mm -hmm. All these things, go back to the quote, said, are in fact no more than the behavior of a vast assembly of nerve cells and their associated molecules. Wow. One more quote. To really drive this home, uh, Owen Flanagan, he wrote this. We need to de-mythologize persons by rooting out certain unfounded ideas from the perennial philosophy. Letting go of the belief in souls is a minimal requirement. In fact, de-souling is the primary operation of the scientific image. Hmm. Did you catch that? As science pushes this naturalism or materialism type of worldview, Flanagan highlights that we have to necessarily de-soul human beings. We have to make them bodies, mm. physical bodies, and that's all that there is. And there's nothing more. Wow. This what is a, a significant cultural movement. It's not new. Oh, it's yeah. been around for a while, but we need to be aware that this is what's happening, again, largely at the university and in the scientific community. But it's not just that. Here's the thing. The thing is, is that everything begins in philosophy and trickles ultimately down into pop culture. And that's happened with this as well. This hostility is immersed in pop culture today. Two quick examples of that. Uh, Time Magazine uh, put out an article defending uh, stem cell research on human embryos. And here, here's what Time Magazine wrote. They said these embryos are microscopic groupings of a few differentiated cells. There's nothing human about them except potential. And if you choose to believe it, a soul. They're pushing this idea again. Mm -hmm. Or how about a TV show, The uh, Walking Dead? Yeah. I've not seen this one, but, but read about it. And, and uh, in season one, episode six, there was this, this uh, clip in the show of a live brain and it had flashing lights and complex web of wires and nodes coming out of it. And the scientist in the, um, in the show, what he talks about, he says that all this activity in the brain, he describes it. He says, this is the real you. And when mm. those lights go off, you cease to exist. In other words, you're nothing more than your brain. Mm -hmm. So it's in pop culture. Yeah. I, it's interesting. The, the first quote you read that we all kind of know I, I think about that because I've I've noticed this in some YouTubers I watch where they'll they'll talk about that we are just our brains that the feelings we feel that everything about us is just flashing neurons in our brains but then you hear them talk about things like their spouses and how much they love them 
and and you can hear that and it's you you know that the you, the way they talk is more than just chemistry that's right but then what they would say doesn't reflect how they act and it, so i thought that first quote was one of the most interesting and yeah i appreciate you sharing that Hopefully it's setting up well the, the, the reality of this tension mm-hmm. uh, between these different worldviews about who we are as people. Yeah. And because... And even tension within a person, yeah. Sure, absolutely. And then what's happening is it's actually getting worse than even pop culture. Mm. Because this idea is beginning to uh, subtly creep into Christianity. Okay. Let me give you one example. And and it's just one, but there is this growing group of Christian physicalists, Christian Hmm. people who identify as followers of Jesus, but also would say that we're just bodies, that there's no soul and therefore necessarily no spirit to a person, no non-physical side of them. One of the leaders of this comes out of Fuller Seminary. Nancy Murphy uh, is, is this lady, this professor's name. And I want to read to you some of her quotes here. She has a lot of influence, and this is beginning to take root. She wrote, uh, she wrote this uh, in 2006. She said, my central thesis is this. We are bodies. There is no additional metaphysical element such as a mind or soul or spirit. That's significant. This is in a seminary this being taught. This is Fuller Seminary. Fuller right? Seminary in Pasadena, California. And then another quote she has later on, uh, she says, all of the human capacities once attributed to the immaterial mind or soul are now yielding to the insights of neurobiology. We have to accept the fact that God has to do with our brains, crude as that may sound. Mm. This is This is significant. And so we, again, where we started, we as followers of Christ, we've got to be equipped on this topic so that we know, A, where does the evidence point? Do our souls real? Um, what is the evidence for that? And then what impact does that have? Mm-hmm. And that's our plan for, for this podcast episode, to take on those questions. And so when you're done listening, and thank you for all who are, we really hope that you're equipped to be able to respond to this question and have conviction for who God has made you mm-hmm. To be, I think even being aware of this question is going to be a, a helpful thing to be able to to look for and to listen for, because these arguments don't always happen about as directly as someone saying, "Hey, I don't believe in souls," but sometimes there's, that's the underlying belief, and being able to address that belief directly can you put you in a really good position to have spiritual conversations. Absolutely. So let's get started. First, let's get our handholds on a definition for a soul. What are we talking about when we use that term? Because we use the word all the time, don't we? We mm-hmm. say things like, we live in a soulless world, or that person's a lost soul. Uh, some people are old souls, uh, or looking for our soulmate. Mm-hmm. Um, so we use the word. So what are, we, what are we talking about today in this podcast episode? Here's the definition we're going to go with. The soul is an immaterial substance that does a couple things. First... It contains consciousness. And second, it animates, in other words, gives life to the body. So what does this mean? It means that the soul is a non-physical substance that enlivens the body. So so we would say a body without a soul is a corpse. Mm -hmm. Um, So it enlivens the bodies, and then it contains various abilities. Uh, For example, um, the mind. 
the soul, that's where you have your ability to reason, to have beliefs and thoughts. It operates through the equipment of the brain, but that is not a that is not a brainish or physical activity. It's a soulish activity that works again through uh, the equipment of the brain. Now you say, well, how, wait a minute, what's the difference with that? Well, neurobiology, which is an exciting field of science today, would highlight this, that while you can see electrical chemical reactions in the brain for different propositions and thoughts, thoughts does not reside in the brain. You can't open up the brain and find thought anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's not a physical thing. So where does that resign? The proposition, uh, uh, excuse me, the, the thought, um, I love my wife. Well, that's not a physical thing that exists anywhere in the brain. You can't find it. Yeah. This would be a soulish activity that, again, works through the equipment of the brain. How about emotions? Emotions aren't physical. You talked about love earlier or mm-hmm. sadness or uh, joy. Uh, those are activities of the soul that, again, work through the equipment of the brain and body. Uh, consciousness. Consciousness, is, those are things like uh, sight and smell, hearing, taste, um, Everything that says, you know, that person is conscious or aware, uh, again, those are soul activities that uh, work through the equipment of the body. And then finally, spirit, you, you know, the, the faculty of being aware of God and, and angels and demons, the spiritual world, and um, all that, again, is, is a non-physical capacity that people have, mm-hmm. but it's not located anywhere in the brain. You can't weigh it or measure it or point to it. It's it's something very much remarkable about who we are mm-hmm. that isn't physical. So, so what's the point of all this? The point of what we're trying to drive home is you are a soul. You have a body. Where the growing pressure of movement says you are your body. Mm-hmm. And you're nothing more than the collection of the physical parts and pieces of your body. That's that. So I want to give an illustration. I want you to imagine with me, for those of you who are listening, I want you to imagine uh, with me that you uh, or that that the soul is like a dresser, a clothes dresser you have at home in your bedroom or whatnot. The dresser you have has various um, drawers. You know, you have like a sock drawer, a shirt drawer, whatever. All these different drawers. The dresser in this illustration represents you or the soul. Each drawer represents a faculty or ability of your soul. So in other words, the rational side of you, the life of the mind, that would be a drawer that is a faculty or ability, but is connected to who you are in terms of the overall dresser. Other drawers would be consciousness and emotions, the things I already talked about, um, will and uh, the spiritual life and things like that. Those are all a part of the faculty or ability of the soul of you. God's built you this way. Mm-hmm. This is who you are. Let me try another illustration too that you can also use. And if it helps just make this more concrete, then that's awesome. I want you to use the illustration. I want to use the illustration of your car. You are not your car. You operate your car, but you are distinct from your car. I want to compare the car to your body and you would, well, of course it'd be you. When you get into your car, you can do certain things. You can turn it on, you can uh, turn on the radio, um, run the wipers, you can do all these different things with your car, and and that's all good and that's important. Um, but again, you are distinct from your car. In comparison, you as a soul operate your body. You are not your body, you're distinct from your body. And I would add to it, this illustration of the car is helpful because your body as the car 
it only works as well as you take care of your car. Mm-hmm. Ha- imagine this, Jake. Imagine on your 18th birthday, I come to you and I say, you can pick, and as a birthday present to you, you can pick any car in the world. What would you pick? You get one car. What would you pick? Any car. Uh, Price doesn't even matter. We've got to go 1969 Chevelle. Perfect. There it is. Boom. But here's the caveat. It's the only car you get for the rest of your life. Okay. It's in mint condition, but it's all you get. Mm. What are you going to do with that car? And you'd probably do this anyway. Like you're going to do oil changes every 50 (laughs) miles. You're going to like garage the car. You're going to clean it. You're going to take pristine care of that car because that's the only one you get. Mm Mm-hmm. But what about our bodies? Mm. You only get one. And if the body is deficient or broken or things aren't working right, the soulish activity, the soul is not damaged. Mm-mm. But the soulish activity of who we are has to work through the physical equipment of the body. So if we have um, uh, damage to the brain, well, the soulish activity on rational thought or other types of things may not work as well. Or the, how about the faculty of sight? That's an ability of consciousness. If the, if the eyes don't work and all the equipment of the eyes and, and, and that whole process, if there's damage there, the faculty of sight doesn't work through the equipment of the body. My point being is we are stewards of our body. Mm-hmm. And all of us come with some brokenness physically, yeah. of course. But like the, the, the soulish activity works through the equipment of the body. So there is, there is a connection. It is not just we are not merely a soul, but we are – there is some level of connection where – I mean, for sure, the soul affects the body, and there there seems to be even cases where what happens to the body does does affect the soul. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and so I, I, I appreciate that. There's, I know there's people in the past who would have pointed out that we are, we are a soul, and kind of the body is, is bad, but I like the way you talk about we are stewards of it, and we are connected to it, and we're responsible for it, right. but we're not necessarily slaves to it. It elevates the value of the body. This Platonic mm-hmm. thought that the the soul and material side of you is what matters, and the body best to do away with the whole thing. They're both important because they both interact with each other. And you mentioned how soulish activity interacts with the body, but the body impacts the soul. Mm-hmm. Like for example, if um, well, the other way, if if a person studies show, if a person practices gratitude, that actually has a physiological impact mm-hmm. on the health of the body. Mm-hmm. Like gratitude and praise. Um, impacts us physically Mm -hmm. and and so there's an interaction now this is a good point to quickly note that this is the primary place of of um pushback on the existence of the soul and it's what's called the mind-body problem because Mm. the primary criticism of the existence of the soul is well how in the world does a non-physical soul interact with a physical body Mm -hmm. in physics that that doesn't work Mm -hmm. how does that happen and so there's a lot to say about that. Maybe a future episode we can unpack that. But that becomes really, honestly, the primary criticism of soulless mm-hmm. activity outside of the presupposition for a naturalist mm-hmm. that they don't want something that's non-physical to even exist, whether it's a soul or it's God or, or anything else that's non-physical. Right. Which is a great place to highlight that there, these are, there really are two warring um, worldviews about who we are as people. And I've already alluded to them, but one of them is this materialistic idea that that you are, well, that all that exists is the physical world and all that you are is a body and you're nothing more. The other one is called dualism. And as a memory aid, dual meaning two parts, that you as a person are more than just your body. There's two parts of you. There's the non-physical side of you and there's a physical side of you. And dualism very much allows for that there are 
uh, in the world, physical, there's the physical world, and there are, there are non-physical things that exist in the world as well, such as love, the number two, God, angels, etc. Mm-hmm. So these are two different worldviews. Now there there are some Christians, and I I think I would put myself in this camp that would that would break down the non-physical into more parts, right? So that there are some that would have a soul and a spirit with with slightly different the soul being a lot of what you you described, and the spirit being one that would interact more with kind of the spiritual warfare, the 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 uh, angels, and even interacting with God, but. That's kind of tangential to this, right? Because when we talk about dualism, we're just talking about the existence of physical and non-physical, right? Correct. Okay. And so what you're referring to, this idea of uh, what's called dichotomist or a mm-hmm. trichotomist, the dichotomist would be a dualistic view that there's mm-hmm. the physical and then the non-physical, and then within the soulish activity, it's all sort of one mm-hmm. collection. The trichotomist actually breaks the human into three parts, mm-hmm. body, soul, and then it makes distinct spirit. Mm-hmm. And there's arguments for and against, right. and a follower of Jesus can comfortably be a dichotomist oh, yeah. or a trichotomist. Um, in some ways, it's a secondary, yeah. open-handed But topic. either way, you have this physical and non-physical side exactly. that you're talking about here. Exactly. Okay. Yes. That's helpful. So what are some reasons to believe that souls exist? I want to talk about it, take this in two different ways. The first one is we're going to look at the scriptures. What does the Bible say about this? Does it say anything about this that we can hold on to? And then are, is there evidence for souls outside of the body? So let's start with the Bible first. The Bible does strongly teach dualism. So let me just give you a few examples. These are not all of them. It's not exhaustive, but there's a few here. Let's go to the Old Testament first. Genesis chapter 2, right at the beginning. Verse seven, it says this, and the Lord God formed a man's body from the dust of the ground and breathed into it the breath of life. And that expression, nephage is the word in the Hebrew. And that is, that means literally soul, that breath of life or that soul into, in this case, Adam. And the man became a living person. So in other words, to have life is to have a living soul. Um, here God created a body and then he gave it a soul to animate the, bro- the, the body. So the problem with defining life in physical terms, it doesn't allow for us um, to, to do things like, in this case, call on God, angels, or demons as living and nor God to have a role in any of this. So you see these two parts, though, in the first man as God formed him. Or how about later on in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7? It says, For then... The dust will return to the earth, speaking of a person, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Again, clearly this shows the soul departing at death. The body remains, the soul departs. Now, critics uh, would say, critics to dualism, that is, would say that this is just simply a figure of speech, that it's the whole person that departed. But the problem with that is the body's still there. Mm -hmm. The the body didn't go anywhere. The only, yeah, the body stopped functioning but nothing left exactly yeah how about one more um we know in in the old testament specifically the practice of necromancy is um which is communicating with the dead is strictly forbidden deuteronomy 18 talks about that but if you go to first samuel chapter 28 you have this Mm. sort of wild scene where um samuel the prophet king saul is there and he brings back samuel the prophet 
uh, because he, he wants to talk to him, and that happened. But see, this, this whole scene in 1 Samuel 28 presupposes the person is still alive, even though Samuel's body was where? Yeah. It was in a tomb somewhere. Yeah. But, but that, Samuel comes back. That soul is somewhere. It exactly. Is still existent. Yeah. It still exists. Super important. Exactly. Samuel still existed. So those are some examples from the Old Testament. Okay. The New Testament doesn't shy away from this at all, in fact. It maybe even leans in more. Uh, some examples here. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. It says, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Notice the dis- there, there's a distinction made. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Mm. Matthew 22, uh, verses 23 to 33 really uh, hit this, this section, but I'm going to focus on verses 31 and 32. It says, But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but what? Of the living. Interesting. So I Jesus am. is saying here, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, ever heard of them? They're still alive. They're still alive. Mm. Now, you can go to Abraham's tomb. You can go to Jacob's tomb, Isaac's tomb, but they're still alive. Interesting. But And, and there's more. Matthew 27, Jesus on the cross. Uh, there, Jesus implies death uh, is giving up of his spirit, mm-hmm. which he, he talked about on the cross. Um, also on the cross, Luke 23, verses 40 to 46. You have this, this scene, of course, of the one repentant thief, and Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Look, the thief's body was about to be deceased. Mm-hmm. Um, but what Jesus talked about is that he will continue. And not even in the distant future, he says, this day, yeah. you'll be with me. Um Second uh, Corinthians chapter five verses one through ten teaches that I can be uh, absent from from my body, and so you have those are just a few examples. There's others, but you have these Pretty verses clear that examples really clearly too. draw a distinction. How about outside the Bible? How about specifically in, for example, um, philosophy or even science? Let me give you a few reasons or evidences here for souls to existence that support the idea of dualism. Uh, the first one. It's called the simple argument. And the argument goes like this. I am not divisible. In other words, able to be divided up. Okay. I am not divisible, but my brain is. So I'm not my brain. In other words, I'm not the, the same thing as my brain. Mm. So, so what does this mean? Well, it means, and I think we know this intuitively, physical objects can exist in percentages. For example, if I cut off, I have a table and I cut off 80% of the table, it still exists. Okay. I mean, I'd be sure. a good table, right? but it still exists. It still exists in percentages. Likewise, the brain can also exist in percentages. Uh, for example, I read one, where, one place where you could remove upwards of 90% of the brain hmm. and it could still work and the person could still live. It may not have much function, but but could right. still live. So, but the point being is that, that there are places and, and and situations where where parts of the brain are removed, mm-hmm. and yet that person still uh, exists. The brain it's still, still exists. a person, exactly, still a person, hundred percent, absolutely. And so, to that end, nobody would say that a person who has part of their brain removed is less of a person, like you just mentioned here. See why? Because I, you, us. We are simple. We're not able to be divided up into parts, but my my body is able to be divided up. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, as, as many as you know, or, or maybe not, that's okay, I have lost part of a finger. Ironically, you did too, actually. Yeah. We both have. Uh, less, but... Less, yes. you're right, right. 
Now, are we less of a person because we've lost part of our body, in this case, an appendage, a finger? We would say no. Yeah. Um, so, so other you know, examples go through that. So that's the simple argument there. Uh, another one, this one actually jumps more into science, but it's called the binding problem. I'm going to give you a basic introduction, but feel free to Google it and, and learn more about it. What's it called? Very fascinating. The binding problem. As you are listening to this, uh, if you're driving um, or at home doing something, I want you to just look at an object in your room. And as you're looking at it, I want you to recognize that in this moment, your brain is processing a lot of information. So you have what I've asked you to look at, whatever that is. Uh, in this moment, you also have sensations around like temperature or, um, or you're listening to my voice. Uh, maybe you're having, as I'm talking, you're having a memory flash through your mind or a thought of, I need to run to the grocery store to get some milk. Or that my point is, is that every moment your brain is processing lots and lots and lots of information at the same time. What science is in neuroscience specifically is learning is that there's nothing about the brain that unifies your experiences. In hmm. other words, if all you are is your brain, you at this very moment should be having a very chaotic experience of reality. Because there's just information, information, information with no, just pounding into with the no brain. unity. There's nothing in the brain that neuroscience has discovered, and nor is there any anticipation they will discover anything that unifies the experiences that mm. we go through. But you know that we don't live life with that chaos we have a cohesive experience. Mm -hmm. So what binds it all? What, what is it that brings all of it together? Well, the dualist easily answers that question and says, well, that's easy because all the binding takes place in the soul. That's where it's, that's where it's at. Sight is a soulish activity, sensation, consciousness, thought, memory, emotions, all these things that we experience that make us human that all is a capacity of the soul. That is a non-physical reality. Mm -hmm. But of course, back to what we were saying before, it works to the equipment of the brain right. to provide a unified experience. This is, in many ways, a death dagger to naturalism. The naturalist or the materialist will say, um, well, we'll find it. We'll figure it right. out. That's the placeholder. Okay, fine. But at this point, it is a very damaging argument for people who say that the human being is only a body. And let me just offer one more. By the way, there's many more than this, but just one more. And that is the argument from self-awareness. And what I mean by that is you and I are able to be aware of ourselves. And, and when we do so, we're aware of, of, of sort of, of me, if you will. In other words, you and I don't see ourselves as a collection of parts, do we? Not now we, we know we have feet and hands and whatever, but, but we see ourselves as us, as a me, as um, a unity, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, and, and, and there's also, interestingly enough, a sense of awareness that I am not the same thing as my body. Even children have this. And in addition to that, studies showed not only do children demonstrate this awareness at an early age, but also it's a cross culture. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. what culture you're in. There is this sense that that my body is complex, but I'm different. That I am not. Um, that I am simple. 
And so that, that argument of awareness can become a very uh, compelling thing. All right, take a deep breath. I hope you're tracking. I hope you're seeing that this is a, both a fascinating and also an important topic. So I want to close out with this. So what? So, so what's the difference? What does it matter if we're just a body or there's more to us than, than our bodies? Why does it matter? I want to give you just a quick version just of some key places why I think this really does matter. The first place is in ethics. In other words, morality. Uh, for example, if dualism is not true, and all we are is our body, or all you are is your brain, you're a physical object and nothing more, you know what that means? That means there's no such thing as free will hmm. it, 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 for anything. Here's why. Physical objects are determined. They're determined uh, by a cause and effect relationship uh, by the laws of nature. By the way, this is important because this is why science can be studied. This is why the scientific method works. You, you experiment a hypothesis, you see if it works, and it works in repeatable ways. Why? Because it's cause and effect. That's how the physical, wor uh, physical world works. But free will means something different. It means that you and I have the ability to act without being physically determined. And if I can freely do things, then there must be more to me than just physical matter. Because see, physicalism always leads to determinism. Everything you do is determined. But a soul can act freely. So this, this is important. Um, for, for example, if we don't have souls and we don't have free will, let's just take one example. How would this impact our legal system? Mm -hmm. We hold people accountable because we think they actually make real choices mm -hmm. and not the body just did something to which they had no control. Mm -hmm. In physicalism, everything is billiards. It's one ball crashing into another one that crashes into another one that crashes. Into, there's no, there's no attentionality or aboutness of anything in the physical world. It's just laws of cause and effect in nature, electrical, chemical reactions. So tell me if I'm wrong here with this example, but so my son, Joan, um, has ADHD. Um, and so he takes medication for it that helps him focus. Um, dad was a single dad this morning and is off at a conference. So dad forgot his medication this morning and I have every intention of helping him get his medication, but there's also an element where it's, Hey, you are, th there is more to you. You are not in, your ADHD is not necessarily in charge of you. It, it's going to fight against you. You've got to fight harder than I did to focus in school, but you, that diagnosis, that chemical change in your brain is not in charge of you. Is that kind of, am I, am I speaking in a soul way when I talk like that? That is true. And I appreciate you, you acknowledge the, maybe the uphill battle that your oh, yeah. would face mm -hmm. um, and where medication could play a role yeah. in that. But, but to step out of that specific example, yeah, yeah it means that you don't have to sin. Mm -hmm. You don't have to eat that chocolate cake at midnight, even mm -hmm. though it looks really good. Um, and it also means that you and I are accountable for our actions, doesn't mm -hmm. it? And we know scripture talks about judgment mm -hmm. uh, and accountability and God disciplines those he loves. Well, because that, mm. that speaks to free will because God longs for relationship. You cannot have relationship unless you have a being that can freely choose to love. Mm -hmm. Free will is essential to a biblical worldview. Mm. And therefore we have to have souls in order to practice free mm -hmm. will. Otherwise, that is just so hopeless, isn't it? It really is.
another thing connected to this um, is what's called, and, and it's going to be a big fancy word that you can learn and impress your friends at a dinner party this Christmas season, mirological essentialism. Mirological essentialism. This is this is actually a very important and practical idea. It's this idea that if I'm only a physical body, then what that necessarily means is that I am what's called an ordered aggregate, a collection of parts and pieces. In other words, you are nothing more than Legos. Mm. You are you are an assimilation of atoms and molecules Put together, tissue, etc. I mean, all this right, all the physical parts and pieces that come together to make up the body that compose the whole. Your car is an ordered aggregate. What that means is if you replace one part in an ordered aggregate, you take one Lego brick out and replace it with another or don't replace it. Or on your car, you you take a tire off and put a new tire on. You actually have a new car because you have a new collection of parts. There's nothing about an ordered aggregate that is beyond the collection of the parts and pieces that makes it a whole. It's only the sum of its parts. Okay. So back to the human. If physicalism is true and there's no such thing as a soul, then we are Legos. We are an ordered aggregate. We're a collection of parts and pieces. For the body then, you replace one part of the body. You actually have a new body. An eyelash falls out, or in my case, on the top of my head, hair falls out. (laughs) Um, Well, how about this? Studies show that approximately every seven years, our bodies go through complete cell replacement. That means that moment by moment by moment, you are actually a new you because you're simply a new body. And certainly seven years prior, that is, you're not the same person mm-hmm. as you were there because there's nothing Literally about every you. Every cell has changed. That's right. Because there's nothing about you that can have continuity of you over time. But see, that's not how we experience life. Because if you look at a picture of you, um, Jake, as a two-year-old or a 10-year-old or... A 20-year-old, you have a distinct memory of that was me. Mm-hmm. I was there. And, and and so there has to be in that regard something about you that that allows for you to go through physical part replacement. And yet you, as a substance, is what philosophy would say, remain the same person. Mm-hmm. Well, what is that? Well, that's a soul. The soul is the you that remains the same, even though the physical body around the soul continues to change because part replacement is a part of what happens in the physical world. The body is constantly doing that. Mm -hmm. That's mirological essentialism. And it's so, so important. You and I are not ordered aggregates, I would argue. You're a substance. And that's a beautiful thing. We should want that to be the case. And going back to another, just one example of so many we could talk about, a criminal justice system, you can only hold people accountable if souls exist. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, a person, that person seven years from now isn't responsible for what exactly. that person did. Or even the person on trial a yeah. year later from a crime they may have committed a year prior is not the same person if all they are is a body. Mm-hmm. And by the way, because there was no free will, the body just did it. There was no intentionality yeah. for the person committing the crime. And so why are we holding bodies accountable mm-hmm. for crimes that they actually didn't commit? Mm-hmm. It sort of turns everything very counterintuitive. Yeah, it's not and sustainable. So this topic is so important when it comes to ethics or right and wrong. Here's another one. It matters about it matters as to whether there is life after death. Absolutely. And this is significant. See, substance dualists just I'll go back to the dualists, make a weak claim. And the claim is this, disembodied existence is possibly true. 
This means, for example, a near-death experience could be true. It doesn't have to be true, but it could be. Why? Because there's something about a person that exists and is very real apart from the body. Mm -hmm. Life after death requires that you are a soul that at some point will depart from your body. That's what death means. It means separation, that you separate from your body, but that's not the end of you. You, your soul slash spirit, uh, continue on even though the body ceases to operate. Mm -hmm. This is an incredibly important thing. And and as an aside, this would be a great podcast in and of itself, but near-death experiences. These are actually rather significant and well-studied and things that are, are can, can really be encouraging to life and faith and who we are as a person. Can I give you one example? There's a book called Proof of Heaven. Uh, Dr. Eben Alexander authored this book. Here's why this one is so unique and so important. He is a neurosurgeon and he had a near-death experience. And afterwards, he became a dualist. See, oh. beforehand, he wasn't. He thought we were just physical bodies. Mm -hmm. After this experience that he had, he outlines it in the book, he, he actually changed. He becomes a dualist. He believes in the existence of soul. And he does so today. Here's the key of why I bring this up. His shift in perspective did not require him to adjust any of his neuroscientific learning. Interesting. Didn't change anything about that. What changed was his interpretation of the data. Mm -hmm. That's what changed. So lots to be said on this, what but life after episode. death is significant and the soul is required for that. Can I share one more? Yeah, what else, what else changes? Last one. We'll close with this. It matters for spiritual growth. In other words, if the soul doesn't exist, if you're just a body, then there's no such thing as spiritual growth. Well, there's no such thing as a spiritual life because there's nothing spiritual about you. Mm -hmm. You're just a body. There's nothing more there. Uh, in addition, um, it is holding firm to evidence for the existence of the soul that provides the foundation for God, for angels, uh, for the unseen world to exist. Our last podcast series on spiritual warfare, I mean, that's all nonsense that there's no such thing as a soul or the spiritual world. The beliefs and thoughts and consciousness, they're real. Mm -hmm. And they exist. But none of those things are physical at all. See, this is important because if we're made in the image of God, there should be some likeness between us and God. And if you can tear down the human being, well, you can tear down God. Mm -hmm. And this is what we see happening in Which secular culture. Probably why it's so important to them to remove the soul, isn't it? Because then there's no God to have to listen to or have go. to interact with or be responsible to. Yeah. So thank you for, for listening. I hope this has blessed you and encouraged you. And, and can I just encourage all of us listening? We, the church, Big C Church of Jesus, cannot give up on the idea of the existence of the soul. Amen. We must maintain that a human being is so much more than their body. Mm -hmm. They have so much more value than utilitarian value, meaning the only value they have is their usefulness, whether mm -hmm. economic or otherwise, to culture and society. But every person is unique and valuable because they exist, because they are, and they're made in the likeness of God. Intrinsic value. A, exactly. A view of, of a person like this. See, this bolsters evangelism. People are worth reaching 
and loving. It's it's it bolsters discipleship to help us grow in Christ likeness. It bolsters relationship building. It bolsters the value of the local church and the great commission motivated by the great commandment. This is mm. so so important. You listening, Jake, you and I in this room, all people have value because they're made in the image and likeness of God, and you are not your body. You are so much more, but you are wonderfully complex and a a beautiful expression, God's pinnacle of creation, and um, he has great plans for you. So let's hold tightly to that conviction as the church, as we love people and we move forward in life. Thank you as always for listening. So glad uh, to have you together with us. And again, if you want to continue the conversation, Ryan at newhopeadel.org is how you can reach me. And again, thank you and God bless.